0: From the Vivid Seats Studios, use promo code OVERTIME in the Vivid Seats mobile app to save up to $100 on ticket purchases, first time customers only. Yeah. So today I think what I want to do is kind of take a first look at the Minnesota Vikings. In other words, kind of work backwards from what I've been doing with the Packers, with the Vikings, and kind of work our way a little bit closer. I haven't been able to watch the Vikings yet. My entire day yesterday was, was, um... Out the window. It was a good day, but it was not committed to football whatsoever. So we'll start with uh, looking at some stats and figures for the Minnesota Vikings and kind of work backwards, develop a few premises, so that when I come home tonight and watch the Vikings game, can see what I can support and uh, and whatnot. I'm also starting to look at something here. I tell you what, I've been I've been talking up offensive line for a while and how it's underrated and how we need to be looking at it more carefully. I, I just I'm I'm gonna go back and redo all my picks, because I'm I'm just I'm telling you, I as far as I can tell, had I looked at not that I can tell the future, and I don't have time to do it right now, but if I were to try to create some kind of a formula between the passing grade and the pass blocking grade, and kind of you know make a determinant grade, the teams with higher grades in this new thing that I made up would be almost undefeated for week one there are a couple exceptions for example the minnesota vikings having the worst pass blocking grade although 10th highest passing grade but it really just kind of like for example some of the upsets the oakland raiders were fourth in pass blocking also number one in passing which is shocking tennessee titans were sixth in pass blocking that was up against the cleveland browns who just decimated their offensive line and are currently 24th in pass blocking But you look at the Eagles, the Saints, the Raiders, the Cowboys, the Titans, the Ravens. The Steelers are on there, but their passing grade is one of the worst in the entire NFL through Week 1. You got, for example, the Arizona Cardinals. As opposed to the Lions, who shockingly had the second-worst pass-blocking offensive line. Which is fantastic news for us, because the worst and second-worst teams in pass-blocking were the Vikings and the Lions. Not saying it's going to stay that way, but if it does, those teams are going to have a lot of problems. The one redeeming quality for the Vikings is the 10th highest passing grade, whereas the Lions are 20th. Having the second worst pass blocking grade, as well as the 20th passing grade, and basically being good in nothing else, yeah, the Lions are in trouble. But anyways, that was just a, an observation as I'm looking at some of this Viking stuff. Might make a couple adjustments, but it also would have helped me this Thursday to see Tampa Bay, which is currently ranked 14th in pass blocking, going up against the Carolina Panthers ranked 29th in pass blocking just saying but anyways that's the general plan we'll see what we can glean from looking at some of these broad strokes um overviews of the minnesota vikings which isn't going to tell us all that much because some of it has to do with the fact that they played the atlanta falcons but it's still going to be something to uh to get us started kind of kind of get warmed up on the whole minnesota vikings situation which by the way i officially have another cake bet um, the ice cream cake that I devoured over the course of the week after the Packers beat the Bears was pretty delicious. I look forward to getting another one when the Packers beat the Vikings. But anyways, before we take our break, I just want to remind you that fantasy football season is here, and this season there's more ways to win than ever because FanDuel has more ways to win cash prizes and once-in-a-lifetime experiences during every single game, every single week. If you have not played FanDuel fantasy football before, that's great news because New Year'sers get $20 inside credit if they deposit $20. The best part about Daily Fantasy, for those that are currently in a non-Daily Fantasy Football League, in which you drafted with a bunch of your friends, you don't have a bunch of regret about, oh good, Cam Newton's trash, so glad I drafted him. So glad I believe the hype that, oh, he's underrated and he, he performs so well every single year, so good. Two weeks in, he's got me like 25 points in two weeks. So awesome, everybody. Going up against garbage teams, so great. 22nd ranked defense below-average coverage unit, below-average pass rush, below-average tackling. Oh, good, Cam's not only going to throw all over them, they're going to run all over them. Nope. Camp can't do nothing. But with Daily Fantasy, you pick a new team every week. It's more flexible. You don't have to worry about injuries and busts. And you got a chance to win millions of dollars. Sign up for FanDuel now and get $20 in total bonuses. Just make your first deposit of $20 to get started, and you'll get an extra $5 inside credit every week for four weeks go to fanduel.com slash dfs fantasy or download the fanduel app we all have smartphones and we all know they're pretty amazing but they also can be amazingly distracting especially when we're around other people so us cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five that's right a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones and to see what we find learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built All right, so currently, pro football focus has the Minnesota Vikings ranked seventh in the NFL. Again, this is their rank after playing the Atlanta Falcons. They do not adjust for talent on the other side of the field. They're just looking at wins and losses, who did a good job. So, for example, if Stephon Diggs is able to get a bunch of separation and catch a pass, he's going to get highly graded. If, for example, Jair Alexander were to guard that exact same route, and he was sticking on him like glue and ended up breaking up the pass, Stephon Diggs would not get a highly graded grade because he didn't get separation and he didn't catch the pass. So that's sort of the difference, and I want to just make sure that we understand that. However, still pretty impressive, regardless of all that, right? Good teams typically are pretty high. The Saints are high. The Patriots are high. The Eagles are high. The Cowboys are high. The Chiefs are high. These things are going to be that way for a while. However... Baltimore's currently number one. Tennessee is currently number six. Oakland is currently number nine. Carolina is currently number 10. All those things are going to be plummeting. Just really a question of where are the Minnesota Vikings? Are they legitimate like the Saints and the Patriots? Or are they frauds like the Ravens and the Titans? That be the question. Offensively, Minnesota ranks 12th um, in, in both categories overall. And offensively, the Vikings are the number one team in the NFC North. The next highest ranked offense is the Detroit Lions at 20th, which isn't super surprising. If you happen to catch either the Lions game or the Packers game, um, the Vikings moving the ball in any capacity is going to make them much higher than any of the other teams. Passing the ball, Minnesota ranked 10th, which is a small enough sample size to legitimately say that that is, that is, um, we can kind of just write that off. That doesn't even count. (laughs) He literally threw 10 passes. That means nothing. Now, I I, I I talk a lot about Kirk Cousins for two reasons. Number one, it's fun to jump on the train where we make fun of other teams' quarterbacks. And number two, I was the only person that I'm aware of when they went and got Kirk Cousins that said, dude, Kirk is not even that good. Everybody's freaking out. Vikings fans said he's the best ever. And even non-Vikings fans, Packers fans and everything, oh, great, Kirk Cousins, this is a... And I'm I'm sitting here saying, dude, he's pretty mediocre. So th- the problem is I think it's gone too far. And I heard somebody recently say Kirk Cousins might be the most underrated quarterback in the NFL. That might actually be true. Not because he's very good, but because people treat him like he's trash. And he's not. He's pretty decent. And not only is he decent, he has some really top-end potential that we have seen firsthand Beautiful passes to guys that just happen to be, you know, guys that are already getting open, but on top of that, you get performances in which guys are just barely open, and any quarterback that isn't named Kirk Cousins in this exact instance probably doesn't get the ball exactly there. So it's scary because he kind of looks like Stafford and Trubisky in those moments, right? He's, he's kind of that same kind of quarterback where if, they're, if they've got a hot hand, we're in trouble because they, they can get hot. Right, Trubisky has moments where it's like, whoa, that was cool, and, and so does Stafford, but I also think he doesn't exactly have the same kind of lows. He's a little bit like Stafford, but I think if I'm being completely honest, I'm a little bit more worried about uh, Kirk Cousins, and maybe it's just because of the, the wide receivers they have. Maybe if they swapped wide receivers, I'd be more scared of Stafford. I don't know. But um, even I made a comment, but I was very much joking uh, when I said that our goal is to make uh, make Cousins throw. I don't really want that to be the goal. I mean, it's probably going to have to be the goal, because if they're running all over us, we're in trouble. So we got to tee off on that, but whatever. We'll get into strategy at another time. Pass blocking is where things get exciting. As I said, the Minnesota Vikings had the worst pass blocking unit in the NFL, and it was by a lot. So to give you an example, 23 out of 32 teams had an average or better pass blocking unit. 28 out of 32 teams had a um, below average grade or higher. We're talking 50s. 31 teams had a bad grade or higher, which is to say 40s. Zero teams had a grade of pass blocking in the 30s. One team had a pass blocking grade in the 20s. That, my friends, was the Minnesota Vikings. It wasn't the Texans. It wasn't the Seahawks. It wasn't the Cardinals. It wasn't the Chargers. It wasn't even the Bengals. Nope. All those teams with bad offensive linemen, decimated offensive lines, they all had a capable unit. And by the way, the idea that the Minnesota Vikings had a tough matchup is garbage. Grady Jarrett is very good, that's true. Grady Jarrett does not play five different positions. Grady Jarrett plays in one spot. By the way, the the Falcons only were able to achieve uh, five pressures in the entire game. We had a guy that had ten by himself. It really just came down to these guys can't block. I mean, you, you can see examples of what this means when there's there's highlights, for example, of the center just completely whiffing and the nose tackle getting straight through and trying to run after him, but the ball gets out on time. That doesn't generate a pressure, but it was a pretty horrible rep and pass blocking, wasn't it? Grady Jarrett had two pressures. Keanu Neal had one. Keanu Neal is a safety. Tyler Davidson had one pressure. Vic Beasley, who was not very good, had a pressure. Outside of Grady Jarrett, they don't really have a lot of really good players. Looking at 2018, the best pass rushers on the Falcons' entire team after Grady Jarrett, Robert Alford, Brian Poole, Desmond Trufant. You know what those three have in common? They're cornerbacks! After that is Deion Jones, who is a linebacker, and then DeMonte Kazee, who is a safety the best edge rusher on this team is Takarist McKinley, who was ranked ninth and had an average pass rush grade. So don't give me any of this trash about, well, the Falcons had a good da 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 da. Falcons have nothing. And Grady Jarrett had six sacks last year. Whoop-de-doo. He had a, a pass rush uh, percentage of 11.4. That's good. There's nothing wrong with that. The problem is um, Preston Smith has a higher pass rush percentage. Zadarius Smith has a higher pass rush percentage, and so does Kenny Clark. I'm talking last year. All three of them had a higher pass rush percentage than that in terms of, of generating pressure, pressure percentages. What percentage of the time when you're trying to get after the quarterback do you generate a pressure? Zedarius, Preston, Kenny Clark, all were higher than that. So just a heads up to any Vikings fans who want to talk some nonsense, let's, let's own it. And rather than talking about, you know, the Falcons and the the, oh, the Packers are frauds. No, 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 no. The, Falcons, the, the Packers didn't have a pass rush last year. Clay Matthews wasn't able to generate a pass rush. He's not here anymore. Those guys aren't here. These are new players. With the exception of Kenny Clark, who was very good last year. The only saving grace that your team has is for your offensive line to get much better. And they probably will. But, but you... you You coming into this with the mindset of, well, the Packers aren't that good and the Falcons had great pass rushers and all this, that's nonsense. The Packers are way, way, way better than the Falcons, and you better clean up your house or your quarterback is going to be on his back. I I, I can't even, it's immeasurable. Again, five sacks on a team that allowed the, what did I say, the second least amount of sacks of any team in the NFL last year? I think I said 11 sacks. They gave up five yesterday to the Packers. You have the worst pass-blocking offensive line. I mean, you want to talk trash, that's cool, but, you know, pick your battles, man. That's probably not one you're going to win. Receiving grade, Minnesota was number two. I don't exactly expect that to, I mean, it'll it'll probably drop, but only because some teams will get higher than the Vikings. Um, the Vikings with a, quote-unquote, very good grade and sustaining that throughout the season, that's probably going to hold true. I, I legitimately am worried about the wide receivers. They've got two very, very good wide receivers. And the fact that Thielen has just left Stefan Diggs in his dust, as far as who's the better wide receiver, is is just horrifying to me. The bottom line is, um, the Packers did a great job on defense, primarily because of the front. Now that's that's the big. Ah, see, I'm, I'm talk, I can't. I'm gonna have to just do this in one day because I can't not talk some form of strategy. But the bottom line is, there were opportunities to complete passes for Mitch Trubisky. Partially, he didn't complete the passes because he made wrong decisions or errant throws, but a lot of it had to do with with consistent and constant pressure. That needs to happen. We need to stop the run. We need to generate pressure. Both of those things need to happen up front. The guys up front have to win this game. The guys in coverage have to make plays when they're available, but these wide receivers are going to get open. It's going to happen. We just got to make sure that when they dial up that perfect play and there's a guy screaming down the field and, you know, there's an opportunity to get the ball there. Kirk Cousins' back is to his receivers because he's scrambling for his life. I mean, to, to be completely honest, as much as it pains me to even say it, that's how we're going to win this. Outside of the, the offense needing to generate some kind of momentum at some point in this game, that's it. The, the guys up front have to win this for us, and they have an opportunity against this terrible offensive line. That's how you're going to take the wide receivers out of this game. That's how you that's how you get rid of As I said, last week... The, pa- the, the Bears were able to do two things uh, as far as passing. Throw a lot of quick little passes that didn't go very far because our guys were just on it, and on very rare occasions get the ball down the field. The only time we started seeing them get the ball down the field is when the defensive line, one of the few times, just nobody was able to get home. That allowed Trubisky to sit in the pocket. That allowed him to throw a couple good passes. These edge rushers and defensive linemen for the Packers need to be on their cardio, man. Because I need four quarters of just absolutely ripping faces off. Um, running grade. The Vikings fans are wildly overrating their ability to run the ball. I know th- All of national media is. And I listen, I've been a Dalvin Cook supporter. I've been saying the guy's pretty talented. But I've also said the guy's got some serious flaws. Coming out of college, I called him stone feet. I think I've told this story a thousand times. People in the draft community were, were thought I was insane, said that he's got great cut and he's got all, you know, he's got great feet. I said, no, he's got stone feet. I made an entire video montage of this guy just falling over himself, just trying to move laterally and literally just falling for no reason, nobody around him. I've got like seven clips of him doing it. Now, I got to still go back and watch, and I know he's got a lot of speed, but from what I can tell, he was able to do two things. Number one, run really fast to the outside in which you have horribly frustrating linebackers for the atlanta falcons just refusing to, to just go to the outside just second guessing it it wasn't even like any kind of trickery it was just we're going to give him the ball he's going to run to the outside and the linebackers are like no, no no he might cut inside and he just didn't and outside of that there was a lot of really big gigantic open lanes now he's the kind of guy where if you give him a lot. He can take a lot because he's got speed. He can run to the outside really quick. And if you give him a giant open lane, yeah, he's just going to run through it just like literally every running back. But did he do something that just blew my mind? No. Again, I got to go back and watch it. Maybe I just missed it. But um, I, I, I don't I mean, I, the bottom line is the Minnesota Vikings have had this running back for a long time who hasn't been able to do anything, primarily because he doesn't have an offensive line that's good enough to block for him. That hasn't changed. And no, outside zone is not going to radically transform everything to that wild of a degree that suddenly he's just going to have gaping holes everywhere. I I just got done watching the Bears linebackers against the Packers, and then I watched the Falcons linebackers. It was the most night and day experience I've ever seen in my life, The, the Bears linebackers were disciplined and fast. They they made right decisions. They never were dissuaded. They never hesitated or second-guessed. I'm watching these Falcons linebackers kind of scoot to the outside. After Dalvin's already got the ball and is sprinting to the outside, he's kind of creeping to that side, and then he actually cuts back inside because he gets scared, and then he runs closer to the line of scrimmage, gets stuck by the tackle, and Dalvin Cook runs to the outside, and you got Vikings fans screaming about how great it is that he ran uncontested 15 yards down the field whoop de doo oh we've got oh my goodness that that i i love you guys but on the grapes and gorak podcast he was he was talking about well some people in the media are, are talking about he's like the next melvin gordon or he might be a melvin gordon type this year it, it was gordon or Gurley. i don't know why i can never get these two I've, for some reason the rams and chargers running back group completely just jumbled in my mind i have no idea why but it was one of those two and it's like you got I don't mind because you're you're headed f- exactly where the Bears are headed. The Bears came in so hot, there's so much energy, so much optimism. They are being talked off a cliff to this day. They still haven't come down. We're still even. Packer fans are starting to like. Come on now, enough is enough. Get off of there. Let's go. You're being ridiculous. Get down. I'm tired. Of, I'm, I'm tired of hearing about Trubisky from you. This is getting a little crazy. Vikings fans having to watch Dalvin Cook run for like 2.4 yards per carry in this game against the Packers is just going to cause them to go into an absolute tailspin. Because the fact of the matter is, the Packers had a really hard time running against the Bears. The Bears are currently ranked 8th in run defense. The Packers are ranked 5th. PFF watched the Packers play the run, and they did a better job against the Bears. You know why? Everybody's freaking out. Oh, why did they get away from the run? They were running so well. Why did they stop running? Why because the Packers weren't letting them run. And that's exactly what they're going to do to the Vikings. And again, don't give me any nonsense about, well, I mean, look who the Packers are going up against. Yeah, look at them. Again, good offensive line and all kinds of stud running backs, not just as David Montgomery, this really good running back supposedly, but you got guys like Tariq Cohen you can put in the backfield. He's got a completely different skill set, lots of speed, this, that, and the other. You just picked up Carson who came from Seattle who's got another kind of skill set you've got three different kinds of running backs with three different kinds of skill sets and a capable offensive line the Packers completely shut it down that's what happened they played a defense that basically said you're not going to be able to run go ahead and try to throw and even with the one linebacker um, the Bears couldn't run and if if the Vikings are starting to have success maybe we'll use a second linebacker I don't know if we actually get a challenge this week, you know, maybe we'll throw in that second linebacker. I don't know. We'll see what happens. But anyways, yeah, they got good, uh, they got good receivers. Run blocking. Again, wildly overrated. The, uh, the Falcons' ability to stop it was terrible, but they were ranked 12th in run blocking. That's number one in the NFC North so far. Packers are 17th because they were trash. Bears were 19th because they weren't super great. Lions were 20th. We all got to work on this. But the Vikings don't have an elite blocking unit. They really don't have an elite running back as much as they think they do. He's good, but he, I don't, I'm not even putting him on the on the same tier as Carry on Johnson. There, I could list so many running backs I would put before Dalvin Cook. And again, I've been a defender of the guy. I've been cautioning Packer fans, like, careful, man, he's pretty good. He's got that speed. If he hits a hole, he can really take it. Ty- <outfits> do you know where Dalvin Cook ranks? And I'm, I'm jumping the gun here a little bit. Do you know where he ranks? Just in running ability, and as a runner. 24th whoop-dee-doo whoop-dee-doo i would not be surprised if i mean i would be a little bit surprised but it's not impossible he ends up as the fourth best running back out of these four teams david montgomery aaron jones and carry johnson all could end the year higher than dalvin cook and it wouldn't super surprise me none of them do right now because the other three teams had a really hard time running the ball Partially because Aaron Jones was against the Bears' defense, David Montgomery was against the Packers' defense, and the Lions' offense is just trash. Sorry, carry on. And the fact of the matter is, the grade that he received this year that has him currently ranked 24th is the exact same grade that he had through last year, and is just a little bit lower than what he did in his rookie year before he got hurt. His yards per attempt is quite high. It's nowhere near Aaron Jones. I mean, this last... In one week, he has a 5.3 yards per attempt um, average. That's pretty good. He's not going to sustain that because his career average is sitting at, uh, you know, 4.7, which is good, but Aaron Jones through two years is at 5.5, so, I mean, his career average over two years is better than your one outing, and I know he's fast, but it's 4.49 speed. It's not something that, you know, is just, it's not the craziest thing. Nobody's ever seen it before. I'll even concede that it, well, no, I won't concede that. I was going to say maybe this is the biggest threat to the Packers, but man, kind of depends how much you want to emphasize the quarterback in the whole receiving thing because Thielen is a better player than Dalvin Cook. I think Stefan Diggs is a better player than Dalvin Cook. But uh, somebody has to throw him the ball too, so I don't know. Maybe Dalvin Cook is the biggest threat. I, I, I don't know. I don't think so. All I'm trying to say is, is Vikings fans need to just relax. Similar to how Bears fans needed to relax. It's funny how great Trubisky was until week one. <laughs> oh, I just I just like when people have to be quiet. Anyways, defensively, obviously, this is where uh, the Vikings shine. It's also where the rest of the NFC North shines. Um, Bears are the, excuse me, the Lions are second, Packers are third, Vikings are fifth, Bears are tenth. So, obviously, pretty solid across the board. Um, run defense. Now, I'm not exactly going to say that Aaron Jones is going to have a much better day, um, because unfortunately for the Packers, although the Bears were eighth, the Vikings are sixth in run defense. And we know, we know they have a really good unit. Our success running the ball is going to have a lot to do with our our offensive line getting better, understanding how to run this, and and just just blocking better. But um, as far as having an easier opponent, yeah, maybe. Obviously, PFF after one week is not the ultimate arbiter. The Bears' run defense is probably going to end up much better than the Vikings'. Probably, maybe, but I don't know for sure. Either way, it's going to be a tough matchup. See, I can give credit where it's due. Bottom line is that the Vikings' defense, as far as I can tell, again, I have to watch it is looking more like the 2017 unit than the 2018 unit. Unfortunately for them, their offense is looking a little bit more like 2018 than 2017. So we'll have to see what happens when you go up against an opponent that wasn't complete trash last year and seems to be complete trash this year. Uh, Tackling a big problem for a lot of teams, not just the Packers. The Vikings are actually quite worse. Uh, They had the 22nd worst, well, 22nd best, I guess, tackling unit. Packers were 15th, so they needed to clean some stuff up, but uh, the Bears and the Vikings were both worse than the Packers. The Lions actually were pretty disciplined, which, you know, maybe you can give credit to Matt Patricia for that, but um, I don't know if I want to give him credit for anything because I just don't think he's really good at stuff. Pass rush, again, this is going to upset several people, but, um, you know, nobody in the NFC North really did very well. Packers were 12th, which is fine. Lions 17th, Vikings 18th, Bears 19th. How does that happen? I don't really know. The only thing I can take from that is a lot of the blame was put on offensive linemen, but you would have to write a letter to the folks at PFF to get an answer on that because I don't really know. The only other thing I can say is that they grade everybody and kind of just average it out. So as good as the guys were that I listed, there's also other defensive linemen who weren't able to generate very much. You also have other corners and safeties that are coming in on blitzes and things. That all gets factored into the overall pressure grade. It's not it's not, it's, it's not. an overall assessment of how, the, how well the Packers did at generating pressure. It's looking at each individual player that tried to get a pressure and seeing what they did. It's still a little bit shocking that it's as low as it is, considering how good some of the guys were, but whatever. It, it doesn't really matter. Uh, coverage. Unfortunately, the Vikings did a very good job. It's going to be hard to make excuses on that, considering they have Julio Jones on the team. Uh, the Vikings just were up to the challenge, bottom line and you know when we're talking about a mike zimmer defense as much as i don't really respect the vikings corners as much as vikings fans do uh, mike zimmer just dialed up a great game plan and the vike or the packers are are cautious about zimmer for a reason and uh, he just kind of put his guys in in good situations seemingly so i don't know that this gets much easier the the bears coverage unit was 15th which is great news considering i expected a drop off in that exact category We'll see if that holds up, but the bottom line is when we're looking at the Packers' ability to throw the ball or lack thereof, again, a lot of that was put on Aaron Rodgers and the wide receivers. Go look at at his grades. Look at the wide receivers' grades. Look at the tight ends' grades. They weren't giving credit to the Bears' corners. They were saying that the Packers' offensive passing unit was just trash, and according to this, we're going up against a better unit. And then special teams, they didn't grade out all that well, although neither did the Packers. The one thing I kind of care about here is their ability to return. They're seemingly using, um, well, it kind of seems like they don't know what they're doing. They had two kickoff returns. Once was with Chad Beebe, once was with CJ Ham. So they don't even have a guy that has a designated role here. And uh, both of them graded out below average. And Chad Beebe had a one return of 13 yards, which is not good. Chad Beebe does seem to be their punt returner, though. And uh, isn't exactly Tariq Cohen, so I'm not sure I'm super worried about him. Um, as far as punting, as much as that seems ridiculous, Britton Colquitt actually did have a really good outing. He averaged f- almost 50 yards a kick. Now, he's no J.K. Scott, but if you get into a punting war, could be could be a little bit interesting. Dan Bailey, congratulations, Vikings, on, on finding somebody that can make four out of four extra points. Well done. We'll see if he can manage a field. Well. I, Dan Bailey's a good kicker. I just like picking on the Vikings. But overall, I don't think there's a special teams concern. Don't have to worry about some crazy return guy that's just going to blow this whole thing open. Because I, I really do think that's going to make a big difference. You, you, when you look at the turnovers the Vikings had, you're not going to find very many games where there's that many turnovers and the team loses. And the fact of the matter is the Vikings are not going to get that many turnovers against the Packers. They're also probably not going to get nearly as many sacks as the Bears did. That is unless these reports of David Bakhtiari being injured are serious I don't really even want to talk about it, to be completely honest. Um, My assessment at this particular point in time, as far as I know, Jair and uh, Bakhtiari are both being held out and are at least not practicing in full. I know David Bakhtiari was just standing outside in a hoodie, so he is not not practicing. But I also know they've been extremely cautious uh, this, this season, especially with holding out guys with even minor things just to make sure that they are full go. I have every reason to believe they're playing it sounds like he's got a similar situation to what happened with Rodgers where he's got some back tightness or whatever and the 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 fact of the matter is i think that's something that it, it it's bordering on an issue where it's like you know what i think you just need to play through it man right i mean it we, you had back tightness on thursday you are going to do nothing but like take ice baths hot heat stretch wh- whatever it is they're telling you to do with your back to to make it not hurt you've had several days of doing that i'm sorry but you're playing <laughs> that's that's the butt you are playing and he's primarily going to be going up against everson griffin which you know is basically a day off for david bakhtiari yeah i said it um all right looking at you know what let's take a break and then we'll look at some more specifics here in the hobby it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks we get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high value jordan love card but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates it's all just a shot in the dark until now about seeing what you could potentially get right now you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arena club.com slash pack Wow. That's crazy offer 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arena club.com slash pack for 10% off your first purchase. All right, now we can look at their offensive performance. To be honest, it's not as impressive as Vikings fans would make you believe. It's maybe not quite as bad as as I would make you believe necessarily either. But overall, there was one guy who graded out as very good. That was Adam Thielen. That's it. It's the only guy. There were four guys who had grades that were good. C.J. Ham, who is a fullback. Chad Beebe. I mean, I got nothing but love for Chad Beebe because it's Don's kid. But you know, whatever. Um, Dalvin Cook and Stephon Diggs. That's it. Pretty much the rest of the team was average, including Kirk Cousins, including rookie Irv Smith Jr., including including most of the offensive line. And then you had Kyle Rudolph, who was below average, as I've been saying for a long time. He's been overrated. And now he's overrated and over the hill, which is just a terrible combination for them. Um, terrible blocker. Basically, that's all he came in to do, actually. He didn't... Oh, yes, he did. I'm looking at the wrong line here. Yeah, abysmal pass-blocking grade. Uh, Pat Elfline was below average, which I think is expected Is another interior offensive lineman that was drafted early that is supposedly some elite, great, freakish interior offensive lineman guy, and he's just not good. Um, Amir Abdullah was graded as bad, which is pretty consistent with his career. And then was Garrett Bradbury, who was abysmal and, as I said on Twitter, had a zero pass-blocking grade. A zero first time i've ever seen that i I accompany that with his um below average run blocking grade and uh he had a rough outing and and look the fact of the matter is yeah maybe he gets better in fact i I would have to assume that he's not going to have zero i mean unless he has a career-ending injury today that's got to come up at some point however is he going to become what the vikings wanted him to be in week two no Maybe, maybe mid and even that would be a massive turnaround. But by week two, I expect more issues and and the bottom line is the interior is just is really, really bad when you got Pat Alfline and Garrett Bradbury and then uh, Dakota Dozier. I don't even know why he was in, but Josh Klein had a grade of average average pass blocker, average run blocking, and that's your best interior player, I mean, And he's probably going to stay your best player. He came over from Tennessee. He was a pretty average player his entire career, with the exception of last year where he completely dropped off and the Tennessee's like, all right, bye. And, of course, the Vikings pick him up because below average play is is really, really okay for them. (laughs) Like, If you can be average to just below average, stud. As a side note, go Google Josh Klein. He looks like Ben Roethlisberger after he retires. Like literally one year, if we check in with Ben Roethlisberger, it's going to be him massive really long face bright red cheeks for some random reason and a, and a beard i mean it's just, i mean he looks exactly like a fatter ben roethlisberger if that's possible but uh looking specifically at uh, their ability to pass block and whatnot the best pass blocker was dalvin cook because he is a talented guy he stayed in the block four times allowed zero sacks hits or hurries uh cj ham irv smith uh jr alexander madison all pretty good blockers. Unfortunately, not one of them is an offensive lineman. Uh, Riley Reef is their top guy. He graded out his average. That's going to be problematic because that is a tackle. I believe it is their left tackle. And unfortunately, he's going to have a much bigger challenge uh, this week than he did last week. Last week was pretty... I mean, as far as the NFL goes, that's probably going to be one of his easiest matchups. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm obviously not a Bears fan, but I really look forward to watching Khalil Mack uh, assault this offensive line. I mean, the Packers guys will, will, will be fine. But, I mean, I, I know who we have to go up against, and it's a very similar schedule to what the Vikings have to go up against. We have a tough schedule. I went through it already. The amount of, of top-tier pass rushers that we have to go up against is insane. The Vikings are just—Kirk Cousins is doomed. He is doomed. But anyways, two of the pressures came from uh, Pat Elfline. Uh, One of them came from Garrett Bradbury, and uh, one was credited to Kirk Cousins. They said it was his fault. But again, as far as one-on-one, there weren't a lot of pressures, but as far as one-on-one matchups, the uh, Vikings offensive line did not win very many. Kirk Cousins, 8 of 10, which is great. 98 yards, which is 9.8 yards per attempt, is fine. One touchdown, zero interceptions, great. Only one throwaway, which is, you know, I mean, that's solid. 140.8 passer rating cool i mean again it's it's literally it's 10 attempts man i I just there's a lot of uh quarterbacks that go eight of ten sometimes they do it in one drive (laughs) so i mean you know it happens eight of ten is something that you see like halfway through the first quarter maybe and then things tend to fluctuate you know but you know eight of eight of ten is great four first downs obviously again 140.8 that's that's cool man Here's going to be the bigger problem for Kirk Cousins. PFF does this fun little thing where they break down the difference between how you did with pressure and how you did with no pressure. Kirk Cousins had an elite grade when there was no pressure. 6 of 6, 69 yards, 11.5 yards per attempt. Under pressure, obviously the stats are still good because there was good stats across the board, but his grade was a 60.3. In other words, the stats were fine, but clearly he wasn't at his on his best game. And this kind of goes to what I was talking about, right? The, the fact that he had an elite grade when there was no pressure just goes to show how scared I am that maybe the Packers, for some reason or another, can't generate a pass rush. I think we're doomed. Because Kirk Cousins will sit there and pick us apart. And there's zero doubt in my mind, and I don't care how good you think our corners are, Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen are going to absolutely rip us apart. If we can get pressure, though, which, I, I again, I think the, the front, and I... I Wish I would stop saying this because this is going to be the crux of an entire episode, probably tomorrow, but it's really the the defensive front is the entire game plan. Stop the run, get after Kirk Cousins, and I think we got this thing wrapped up. Again, assuming our offense can generate a few points. If not, it really doesn't matter what we do because they're going to score points. The Vikings will get points. That's kind of goes without saying. But again, the disparity between him with, with no pressure and under pressure is just, it's massive. Uh, Looking at the running backs again, Dalvin Cook had a pretty good day. He had 21 attempts, 111 yards, 5.3 per attempt, two touchdowns, five first downs, three runs of 10 10 yards or more, 63 yards after contact. His longest run was 22 yards. Alexander Madison, nine attempts, 49 yards, 5.4 yards per attempt. Amir Abdullah, two attempts, eight yards, four yards per attempt. So that's something else to kind of keep in mind. Like, Okay, Dalvin Cook is elite. Cool. Is Alexander Madison elite, too? Because he actually had a higher yards per attempt than Dalvin Cook did. Is he an elite running back, or are we kind of maybe wondering about the Falcons' ability to stop the run, period? Because, again, Amir Abdullah had four yards per attempt. Just curious. I'm just throwing it out there. Maybe the Falcons are trash. I don't know. Who knows? Maybe they're great, and Alexander Madison and Dalvin Cook and Amir Abdullah are just, it's like the greatest trio in the NFL right now. Greatest duo, greatest running back. Three three top ten running backs at the very least. Dude, four yards per attempt for your number three, that ain't bad. That ain't bad at all. I'm just saying, if, I, if I'm a Vikings fan, I'm, I'm tempering my expectations a bit. Because basically, whatever we tried to do was successful. Also, pretty much all our points came from the Falcons having the complete inability to just hold on to the football and stop giving it back to the Vikings. Some other um, information here, and this is going to be problematic for the Vikings, Dalvin Cook's yards per attempt off the the left outside edge of the tight end. In other words, all the way around was 9 yards per attempt. That's also where his one rushing touchdown came. All the way around the right side, 10.5 yards per attempt. Trying to go up the middle, 1.5 yards per attempt from between the the center and left guard. Between the center and right guard, 2 yards per attempt. To the left of your left guard, 2.9 yards per attempt. Now, to the right of your right guard, 7.5 yards per attempt is pretty solid. But you understand what I'm saying, right? Trying to run interiorly, it just didn't work. Basically, what Dalvin Cook did is just run to the outside. I mean, he just ran completely around the offensive line. This isn't even a blocking thing. This is just run past your offensive line and past the defense and just turn it upfield. Mike Patton has already addressed that. He's talked about how he has a five-man defensive front because it makes it harder to get to the outside edge. The packer. Well, see, I'm not talking. I'm not talking strategy, but you can figure it out for yourself. 48 of his 110 yards came from just running around the offensive line, and that's only five of his 21 attempts. And there was definitely more success off the left side. Again, outside of running completely around the outside of the left side of your offensive line, it just didn't work to the left. Also, didn't work between the center and right guard because your center is so trash. However, right side of the line, it was a little bit better. 7.5 yards per attempt between your right guard and your right tackle, uh, 6 yards on your one attempt between your right tackle and your tight end, and uh, 10.5 yards just running completely around the right side of the offensive line and tight ends if they're available. So that's what it is. Don't let them run around you. Make them run up the middle. Make them challenge Kenny Clark. Give that a shot. Um, as far as receiving grades, Adam Thielen was the guy. Three targets, three receptions, 43 yards, and a touchdown. I mean, all this is pretty small. I mean, three three receptions isn't a lot, but, I mean, we know the guy's solid. 158.3 passer rating. Chad Beebe was the next highest graded receiver. One target, one reception for nine yards. I mean, all right. Stephon Diggs, two targets, two receptions, 37 yards. That's solid. Dalvin Cook, two targets, two receptions, nine yards. That's, I mean, whatever. Obviously, there were... <laughs> There were no problems in the, uh, the receiving part of this. However, again, there wasn't a lot of it, so it's hard to kind of tell how proficient this team is in, in passing the ball. Anyways, on the defensive side of the ball, there was one elite player, and that is Mr. Anthony Harris. Um, the safeties in the NFC North are just really scary. After that, though, um, zero players had very good grades. The next highest graded player, however was a safety Harrison Smith. Other guys with quote-unquote good grades, Daniil Hunter, Xavier Rhodes, Eric Kendricks, and Ben Gideon. Gideon, if you don't know, is another linebacker. Guys that were below average, uh, Mackenzie Alexander, who is currently injured and is usually a much better uh, cornerback. He had a rough outing, apparently. Shamar Steffen, interior defensive lineman. Trey Waynes, who is just not a good football player at all, but Vikings fans seem to like him. Afedi Odingbo. Edge rusher. Sucks to be you. Chris Boyd, cornerback. uh, Good to hear that he's terrible because he might be filling in for Mr. McKenzie Alexander. Probably did. Maybe that's why he had so many reps. I don't know. Hercules Mata'afa, who has never really been good at anything, is uh, still not very good. Stefan Weatherly, another edge rusher. Can't do much. And then Mark Field's cornerback. uh, Also really terrible. The the tackling was really bad across the, the spectrum of all those guys I listed. Uh, their ability to defend the run, I mean, guys that actually matter. So if we remove the uh, the corners, for example, Jaleel Johnson, Daniil Hunter, um, Shamar Stefan, and Ben Gideon had good grades. Nobody was elite. Nobody was very good. They were good. After that, you got average to below average. Everson Griffin was the worst run defender on the team. Anthony Barr was the second worst. He was bad. Xavier Rhodes is bad. Eric Hendricks was below average, so these linebackers that Vikings fans insist are super great, and I've been saying since forever that they're wildly overrated, they both were graded as below average run block, or uh, run defenders. Pass rush, Harrison Smith, Everson Griffin uh, had good grades, Daniil Hunter was um, average. I know, again, tons of pressures, right? How does that make sense? The only thing I can take from that is that they put a lot of strain on the uh, or a lot of blame on the offensive line. I don't know how you make sense of that, because I know Danielle Hunter is a good player, and I'm not going to look at this and say he's not a good pass rusher, because he is. In terms of statistics, Danielle Hunter, 10 pressures, tied Darius Smith for most, absolutely incredible. And again, maybe part of it is he had one sack and one hit, 8 hurries. Maybe it's the fact that he wasn't able to convert a lot of these, but I don't know why that would be a negative. Um, Anthony Barr, 4, Everson Griffin, 4, and then a couple 2s and a couple 1s, 28 total pressures. They did end up getting four sacks against the Atlanta Falcons. Daniel Hunter, Anthony Barr, Everson Griffin, and Linval Joseph all had a sack in this game. Um, other defensive things that are relevant, one forced fumble and two interceptions. That was a massive part of their success. Also, five pass breakups. That's what needs to be minimized. Don't give them the ball, bottom line. So, I mean, there's no question there's good players here. There's no question it's going to be a tough matchup, but I really, I I genuinely believe it's up to the Packers who wins and who loses. I mean, we know what the Vikings are. It's the same team that that was here last year, a team that wasn't very good. It comes down to, is the Packers' offense going to improve? Can the Packers' defense be consistent with what they did last week? Because if they can be solid against the run and generate pressure, it really just comes down to our offensive production. We need to be able to run the ball we need to be able to complete passes and it that i mean that's it this doesn't have to be as daunting as everyone's making it out to be defense keep doing what you're doing offense stop being terrible guess what we win the game that's literally all it's going to take anyways that is the rough overview of the Minnesota Vikings uh, tomorrow and maybe a little bit sunday we're going to get a little bit more specific um, again the plan for tonight is to, to actually watch the Vikings game i may retract a few things that i've said we'll see what happens um, and then hopefully I'll have a video up uh, tomorrow for that Minnesota Vikings game. But otherwise, you folks enjoy your Friday. Literally every time I say that, I'm freaking out. That is it really Friday? I hope it's Friday. Pretty sure it's Friday. Enjoy your Friday. I will talk to you as always tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.